This is Greg Collins Substitute Teachers Lounge. It's a gotta have show today for substitute teachers. And I've discovered that there's a lot of teachers listening to this podcast too. So let's talk about it. Substitute Teachers Lounge. All right, guys, I am recording this on Saturday, September 26, 2020. I'm excited this morning because my beloved Cincinnati Reds clinched a playoff spot last night in this crazy year. Now, you're going to say, Greg, why are you talking about this? This is the Substitute Teachers Podcast. Well, there's actually some relation to it, and I'll talk about that just here in a moment. But I also like the Cardinals. They're probably going to clinch this weekend as well. So uh, we'll go from there. I like it because I grew up, I'm old enough to remember the big red machine from the 70s. I grew up, up during that era, and the times that the Reds get to the playoffs are few and far between. So even though this was a crazy season, because of COVID. Uh, I am glad that they're in there nonetheless, and I will cheer for them regardless of the naysayers out there. Cardinals, on the other hand, probably, you know, I, I like them as well. They're in there a lot, so I hope they get in there today too. And the reason I bring it up is I was still teaching virtually this week, and there was one of my kids that was wearing a Cincinnati Reds cap in his home while we were doing our virtual class. And even that, even looking for things like that is a way to bond with students. So I love it. I am going to be wearing my Cincinnati Red shirt to class on Monday morning. Now listen what's happened. Monday morning is scheduled and will be our first in-person in the classroom students are back on Monday. Now, we did our best to try and arrange our desk and our chairs six feet apart. If mine's not six feet apart, they are five feet and ten inches. So we are very close. But I will say I admire what the administration of our school decided they uh, first of all, if I, if you recall this from last week, we have a a days and b days. So that means that we are going to longer periods. Each period will be an hour and a half, whereas they would have been about forty five to fifty minutes. And we're only having first, second, and third period on Monday, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth period on. Tuesday. That allows us to not have as much student movement back and forth in the hallways, still gets us to accomplish the same amount of teaching. And this week is an A week, so it would be A on Monday, B on Tuesday, and then A, B, A. And then the following week, we would start with B. B A B A B. So every all the parents, all the kids have schedules of that. That's not an issue. This week, we also decided that in addition to the A-B arrangement, we would divide the alphabet virtually in half, and we would have A through K last name students show up on Monday, and L through Z students show up on Tuesday. So that's what here's what that accomplishes. 
it now allows the students to come into class every other day. So it minimizes their impact. So you may ask, how are you going to teach virtually? How are you going to teach in classroom if you've got them split up like that? Well, part of that means that our virtual is not really going to change. So I'll have some kids in the classroom. I'll have the other half of the class on my computer screen in a Zoom class at which the kids in the classroom are watching as well. So in effect, I will be teaching through both Zoom and in the classroom at the same time. But again, safety is king in this situation, and I really admire our administration for coming up with a plan like this. We're going to do that for two weeks. It is then our area's fall break, and we will reevaluate after that. The goal, of course, the high-end goal is that we can come down enough to bring everybody back in the classroom after that fall break. You know, I don't know if we can do that, but that is certainly the goal, but we will be realistic at the same time. So that's the plan. I will continue to do some virtually. You know, I mentioned the boys' Cincinnati Reds cap. I like to do that. I like to comment on what kids are wearing all the time. Now, there is a dress code when you're in the building. You know, it's basically college shirts for boys and khakis and similar type semi-casual dress clothes for girls. And that will take place beginning Monday for those that come in the building. That's just, you know, believe it or not, that has been proven. There is, you can look it up. There's plenty of studies out there that when kids are a little, especially middle school and elementary school, when kids are a little bit dressed up, they just kind of consciously or maybe subconsciously behave better. So those studies are out there. So that's what's going to happen on Monday. Now, let me tell you about the opening. I knew what I wanted to do this week. It is going to be lots of stuff I've learned from the wonderful teachers I'm teaching with because I'm now a full-time sub and I get to see them every day. I've learned a lot of great tools for substitute teachers. I'm going to give you some of those. Don't just ignore them. Write them down. Here's what I did. I got so many ideas. I wrote them all down, and it took me a while to get to some of them. When I finally got to them, I'm thinking, man, I wish I hadn't waited so long. This would be so much an assistance in my class, and I wish I had known about it my last two years of substitute teaching because this would help so much. You know, I love Kahoot!, But you can't really do Kahoot every day as a substitute teacher. Now, here's what else I discovered. Here's why my opening today was the way it was. I'm starting to get more emails. I am starting to also realize that one of the big reasons the listening of the podcast is going up, it is rare that we ever drop below 50 downloads a day. Sometimes we've had as high as 175 downloads in in one day. That's usually unusual because that's probably somebody that found the podcast, liked it, and listened to several episodes, kind of like Ben's watching on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. So, What I've discovered, though, from those emails is we have a lot of teachers listening. And then I got to thinking, I don't want to change this to substitute teachers and teachers. I want it to be for substitute teachers, but 
All of the ideas we share are for both regular teachers, full-time teachers, and substitute teachers. And I have found out, I guess this really didn't click in with me as much as it should. It's common sense. But I am a teacher with a rank four certification in the state of Kentucky. That's what you have to have to get a substitute teacher credential. But you know my background is in accounting. I'm a retired accountant for a hospital. So that's the hoops that I had to go through to get certified. But I realize I am in very much a minority. That is an unusual situation for a person in my field or any non-teaching field to fall in love with teaching so much that they're going to be in either substitute teaching or or teaching specifically for somebody every day by choice. So, but I'm unusual in that regard. What I have found from the email comments is a lot of you substitute teachers are doing it to become a teacher. So the ideas we share here will help you. A lot of you are retired teachers who still don't want to leave those kids. You can't get it out of your system. So the ideas are for you, and you can share ideas with me. So it's really great. This podcast, this Substitute Teachers podcast, has become a a podcast that is listened to, I I might want to say equally by substitute teachers and full-time teachers. And I am so thankful for that. As I mentioned last week, we were, had already crossed 15,000. We're almost above 16,000 now. Listen, so it is great. I, I really appreciate that. Now, let me get on with the tools that I have continued to discover. The first one is a website called thatquiz.org. This was suggested to me by a teacher, so I know a lot of you are already out there using it. So it's called thatquiz.org. You can set up a free teacher's account and share things with each other. I've noticed I am looking at their opening page right now. I want to describe it to you and then let you know how I I used it this week and how you can definitely use this as a substitute teacher. Here's the categories that you'll get from that quiz. Now there's a lot of lots of math, which is what I'm teaching. There's a whole in, there's there's like seven different topics listed under integers. There is a topic uh, heading for fractions, concepts and geometry. Then there are vocabulary, and it's open to several different types of languages. So we've got English, Spanish, French, and German under that category. One of the others is geography, Americas, Africa, Europe, and Asia. We've got a science category that has got cells, anatomy, elements, and conversion. So In the math, in addition to integers, we've got fraction, concepts, and geometry. And I think I mentioned to you that I'm I'm hitting on geometry a bit right now and integers, so I have used it for that. But basically, when you go to this website, it gives you all those choices. Now, I am looking at it right now. I am going to click on one right now. I'm just going to click basic geometry and go to the next page. It says choose a test. So here's the categories. Here's what makes it fun for a substitute teacher or a teacher because 
you know how much time you have left at the end of the class. Conceivably, you wouldn't even have to plan this ahead. If you know you're teaching a math class, for instance, you could go right in here and you, you could say, all right, I've got 20 minutes left. I think we can do about 10 review questions. The This format lets you choose the length, number of questions, the level or the grade. You can have a timer on it. You can turn on a feedback feature. And the reason the feedback is there is that once you set up a teacher's account, which I've just done this morning, I didn't do it last week when I used it, but I've done this morning. Once you turn on that teacher's account, you can link it to an inner student for your class itself. So you can set your whole class up. And if you're a teacher, you could be prepared to use that on the fly in a classroom. Now, in this case, I would leave feedback off. And I, the way I used it this week is I just designed a test as a practice test. I threw it up on the virtual screen that I was sharing. And then we looked at it together. So for instance, in the math category, I had rectangle, triangle, circle, trapezoid offered to me, and the I could have them calculate either area or perimeter or both. Now, keep in mind, you also have science and vocabulary and geography, so there's something, I guess, for everyone except maybe ELA, but, you know, vocabulary, take a look at that. That might help you in that area as well. There is also cube, prism, pyramid, sphere, cylinder, cone, and for those, you could choose surface of volume. So lots of different choices you could have. You could Your choices are also click solve or solve for X or compare, like compare two items. So here's what I did. I went into, I designed my test since this particular class was working on area and perimeter, just getting into other things. I wanted to review with them that real quick. So here's how I set it up. I went into it and I clicked rectangle, area and perimeter. That's pretty basic. Triangle, I clicked area and perimeter. That's pretty basic. We're just getting into circles, so we're more into the polygon stuff. I clicked trapezoid, all right, because that's a little bit unusual formula. I clicked all my choices. I clicked five different things. I could have clicked six. Let's see. I could have clicked 20 different things. And this program have then or did then uh, choose questions for me. So I had 10 questions. Let me click. It will actually let you go up to as many as 100 questions, but there's also a an open category. So I guess you can put in any number you want in that regard. So I left the timer off because I wanted us to do this as a class. Up in the upper right corner, it's got right, it's got wrong, and it's got clock. The clock will always work. It'll always be there, even if you didn't turn the timer on, but it is timing how long it takes you to do each question. And what has happened now is that a series of 10 questions in my case popped up. I am looking at a triangle as we speak, and I'm looking at the height of the triangle and the base of the triangle, the two key components that you'll need to calculate area. And I don't want to get too much into math because I want you all to get in there. If if that's not your discipline, use the vocabulary and the geography and all the other categories. But that's what I was using. So we had a nice 
10-question review that I could then have each child participate. I knew who was in class that day. You know, I'm not always been a big one of calling kids out. I sometimes think that asking individual questions is putting them on the spot. But to be honest, I think I've got to get over that. And I tried to start getting over that. I didn't want the same students to answer questions. Now, when I'm asking questions to everyone, if I'm going to choose somebody at random, sometimes I will tell them, well, it's, you know, maybe we'll have a competition where we'll split the room in half and then I'll just go down in the row and they can at least work ahead if they know what the problem is. In this case, they wouldn't, but if they know what the problem is. They at least know to be prepared, have their notes open and be prepared to answer a question. So I did that. We went through 10 questions. Now I'm going to tell you that the base of this triangle is two. The area, or I'm sorry, the height is one. That means that the the area is one square centimeter. So I'm going to enter my one. I'm going to click OK. It tells me up in the upper right corner, you've got one question right. It tells me it, I took six seconds to answer that question. It's still clicking, by the way. So I guess that timer is per test, not per question. So now I've got a rectangle setting in front of me. Once you click OK, it just pops up the next question, and you all can review these together. Now, what I was going to tell you about the kids, so I started calling on them if I knew they were in class, and I shouldn't say pleasantly surprised because I wasn't surprised at all. Some kids are just shy. Some are just waiting to be asked a question, and they will respond accordingly. So that's what I did, and I didn't have anybody miss a question that day. So that was very encouraging. Now, I will also tell you, I'm going, I'm looking at a rectangle now. I'm going to purposely answer this one wrong because I want to describe what happens when I do that. So I'm going to type in a question it's a, or an answer. It's a perimeter question. There's a block. If you're, if you're familiar with IXL or iReady, you know, there's blocks on there, Khan Academy, same type of block that you enter your answer in. I'm going to click OK. And now it tells me I was wrong. So it keeps a tally of what's right or wrong. And I also notice that in the bottom right corner, it also tells me, it gives me reminders of what hints to keep in mind for the next question. So it says measurements are in centimeters in this particular one. Scale is not one to one. It gives you that caveat to read so that you, you know, the overzealous people are going to know, hey, that's not that's not the proportion it should be. But the real thing I wanted to mention on here is there is a thing I can click called C formula. So I'll click that and all of a sudden I've got all my geometric formulas popping up. I've got areas of rectangle, triangle, circle, and trapezoid formulas. I've got perimeter formulas. I've got surface area formulas and volume. So a lot of you will know what that means. I know the math people would know what that means. And that will be for every discipline, though. If you go in under geography or vocabulary or science, that would also be the case. So lots of quick at-hand tools. And then in the lower left-hand corner, it says make URL. So I click on that and 
it creates a URL down at the bottom for me. Now, that's actually what I did this week. Even though we did it as a class, I copied and pasted that URL into their Google Classroom so they could actually look at this before they got into the classroom if they chose to. I then showed them when the class started where it was in their Google Classroom for the ones that, you know, you always have a handful of students that don't look at Google Classroom maybe ahead of time. So that was for them. But I could, even though I didn't have a class specifically set up on the website, thatquiz.org, I could go ahead and create this as a URL and this exact test and or quiz or however you want to call it, practice, is in the exact format that I want it. And we click the URL. I popped it up on my share screen, and we were doing it all together. So that is basically how thatquiz.org works. Now, I think the students, I know the students liked it. You know, sometimes some of these tools are so complicated. I'll even say as much as I like all the Google items, Sometimes it gets to be cumbersome. I will say two weeks ago, I was really fussing about the way some of the Google items were set up, the slides and the docs and what you had to remember. Now I'm used to it and it's become already become second nature. It's just a matter of getting in there to used to it. So I was probably too quick to criticize. So hang in there if you're new to Google Classroom or any of the Google Slides, Docs, Presentations, whatever, Google Drive. It will it will be fairly you'll pick up on it fairly quickly and it won't be a problem. But I put that URL URL on there. I haven't yet looked at the way it syncs up with Google, but I could have graded this. It would tell me how many each student got wrong if I had put my specific class in there. So I would at least had a report with percentages on that that I could have manually loaded. It doesn't take that long. In fact, if you have several 100% on a quiz, remember that in in Infinite Campus, you could go in there and do a mass entry and enter 100% for everybody if a lot of them got 100% and then go back in and manually, you, you would then just have to type in the ones that didn't quite make it to 100 and put in their specific grades. So that was thatquiz.org. The other main thing I want to talk to you today, and I, I won't spend a whole lot of time on this, if you're in a position as a substitute teacher or a teacher where you have to work with Google Classroom, what I have found and what I've really learned to enjoy, and as much as I like Khan Academy, I really like the way that this tool, this next tool, syncs with Infinite Campus so that the grades will cross over correctly. And that's going into Google Classroom and creating a quiz. If you create an assignment and go down to a quiz assignment and choose that, it will pull up a blank quiz. Now, you can actually delete that one and then pull up one that you've already created. But basically, you can go through that blank quiz, give it a title, give it a series of questions that you can do multiple choice, you can do short answer, you can do seven different variables, you can give each question a point value. I would make sure that you always turn on the required feature. I don't know why the default is not on. The default is actually off. And there's also a button in the lower left-hand corner of the test where 
it gives you the option of being able to export your grade. So always remember to click that and turn that on. I went over to the website real quick to make sure I was giving you the exact wording. It actually is called grade importing. You want to have that turned on. Uh, I will tell you, here's what that does for you as you progress. It then gives you the option of being able to import grades. What that does is just calculate the grades. You can, the scores, you can look at those at the time and then you can click return that will return the grades to the student so that they can tell you are graded. That will take those grades out of draft status and make them permanent. Now, if some of your students didn't get the test done in time, but you want to give them one second chance, you could go in and import the grades again, and it would update for that. And the beautiful thing about it is you can then go into the Google Classroom and click grades at the top, and it will let you go into a category that will allow you to export grades into your infinite campus. So that's why I have really become dependent on that feature. As much as I like Khan Academy and it calculates grades too, I still have to figure out how to get it into Infinite Campus. Whereas if I'm in one of the quizzes that I've assigned and I've done the grading and I click grades up at the top, it gives me a list of all the tests that I still have grades to send to Infinite Campus for that I designed on Google Classroom. And then there's a feature up in the upper right-hand corner called SIS Export. And if you, as long as you've got your Google Classroom linked to Infinite Campus, you can click that, and it will create a column for that grade. It will, it will send, it will export all those grades over into Infinite Campus, and you're good to go. Everything is graded. You don't have to do another thing. So as far as expediency of getting grades into Infinite Campus, that's the quickest way I've seen. Design a quiz on Google Classroom, turn on the exporting feature, do the grades import, and then you would export that to SIS. And it'll be easier than the way I described it once you get in there. So that's it. That's two great tools today. I know I like them because we've already gone a long time today, and I feel like we just got started. So check out that quiz.org that is great for both teachers and substitute teachers and it is very basic it is not complicated i will see you next week on substitute teachers lounge music provided by ben sound